Hey, guys. Gosh, I have so many thoughts just from the past hour from, like, worship. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, there's so much stuff that I just am so excited about in worship and then praying. Um, one thing I did want to say just about prayer was there, there are a bunch of verses in, in the Psalms specifically I think of. Like, in Psalm 145, it says, God is the one who makes the rain cover the sky. He's the one who makes the grass on the hills grow. And I think there's a lot of times things happen and we just kind of assume like they happen and don't really involve God or it's like, you know, oh, like we prayed for this to happen and then it happened. And then it's like, eh, was it going to happen anyways? And it's like that whole line of thinking is just a fallacy. Like God reigns. <laughs> God makes just the simplest thing. God makes the grass on the hills grow. Like you can go sit on a hill and if the grass is growing around you, God is present making that happen. Like, that, that just blows my mind. So I just really wanted to say that, just about the prayer stuff specifically, because I'm just just pumped. I'm so pumped. It's like, God's so good. I'm so excited. It's really cool. Um, can we just pray one more time? I just really, really want to pray. Um, yeah, there's a lot of new new faces here. I appreciate the little intro that Gabe gave us. I feel like we can go around and do like a name game or something, and everyone can get to know each other. But yeah, I just want to pray. Would you guys just pray with me? And just asking God to speak this morning, just really asking him to speak. Holy Spirit, we are your church. Jesus, we're your bride. Dad, we're your children. We want to hear from you. Your words are the only words that have the power to accomplish your will. And there's no amount of resolve we can muster up in ourselves to make ourselves more like you or to accomplish what you want us to accomplish. Apart from you, we can do nothing, Jesus. And so even now in this time, as I speak and as people listen, God, would you just help us abide in you? That this wouldn't be a time that we accomplish nothing, <laughs> but that we would abide in you. Holy Spirit, would you open our hearts to receive what you have to say? Would you move things around on the inside of us? Yeah, just let's just wait for one minute. I promise we're not going to be here forever. We'll, we'll leave at some point, but I just, just really believe in giving the Lord some space.
So like Gabe said, this is my, my third time trying this. Pretty excited about it. Um, and I, again, I, just, I feel a need to just preface anything that I say by just saying, like, I'm, I'm preaching to myself just as much to anyone in the room. Like, there's so much stuff in Scripture, and you can just read a verse, and it's, like, humbling for me to even read a Scripture as an exhortation to you guys because it's just as much an exhortation to me. It's like, oh, man, like, I'm just not doing all this stuff perfectly, and I really want to, like, grow in everything that I'm talking about. And so I just, I just want to say that up front. Um, I also have some slides today. Um, they're not very special, but they have Bible verses on them, so that's all that matters. Um, but I'm flipping back and forth here, so if I forgive me if I mess up some of the slides. I was the one doing slides during worship, FYI. So if you're wondering, like, why can't this slides person do this right? <laughs> it's just I get into worship and it's just it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. But yeah, so forgive me. Um, but I. Like Gabe said, I'm, I'm sharing on The Secret Place. It's been like a really powerful journey myself over the past year and a half as I've like made it a huge priority to be consistent about spending time with the Lord in my own life. And I think a lot of us try to do the same and just really try to make sure, you know, on a daily basis or, you know, however often we're really like making time to meet with the Lord and to read the word, to pray, to worship. Like there's a lot that can happen in that time. Um, but it's, it's just such a special time. It's such a foundational discipline in trying to follow Jesus. Um, and so the first time I talked two weeks ago, I just talked a lot about the, just the old covenant, the old Testament. And for thousands of thousands of years, people had broken relationship with God that did not provide them access to him. And I'm going to talk a little bit more today about like what access even means but there were just so many people for so long where like God, like when it was Abraham and Isaac and Jacob for hundreds and hundreds of years before the tabernacle was built, before Israel went to Mount Sinai, like there was no, there was no clear way to get to God. There was no clear like, oh, I, I can go to this place on the earth and go find him. Or I can, I can just go sit in my bedroom and close my eyes and somehow I'll like interact with him. That just, that just wasn't an option for so many people in history. And I just think it's so important to remember that because what we have right now, oh, I can't wait to read these Bible verses. I just, it, it's just insane. It's just really, really insane. And I just get really, really excited about it. And I'm, I'm trying to make my excitement communicable. Um, but yeah, so I, the first thing I just want to say today is like, do you guys love God? Like, do you love him? Like, Jesus is a man, just as much as Gabe is a man sitting in that chair right now. Jesus is a man. And he's in a place called heaven at the right hand of the Father. And it's, it's a physical location. And there's a real man on the other side of this thing. There's a real man looking down on this room, present in this room when we worship. And he actually listens to what we have to say. And he actually sees what you do on a daily basis. Hebrews says every being is naked and exposed before him. He sees everything, every thought, every heart, every single intention. And do we love, like, do we love him? Is it in your heart? 
that you are just, just captivated by him, fascinated by him, just, just picturing him, just trying to do whatever you try to do to get close to him is just exciting to you. It's pleasing to you. Do you delight in him when you think about him? Is he, is he, does he bring you pleasure? Is he what you want? Is he where you go when you're stressed out, when you're anxious? Because this, like this, this is like the number one thing. And I, I just want to start here, and I'll connect this to the secret place, but I just want to start with this. One of them, a lawyer, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Luke 10 includes with all your strength. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law and all of the prophets. Jesus just breaks the entire law and all of the prophets, like hundreds and hundreds of pages of scripture and commandments. The old covenant had 613 commandments in it, and Jesus just breaks it down to fundamentally one, but these two, like love God with all of your being, everything that's in you. And I, and I think it can be easy for us to ask, like, okay, so, like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to love God? Like, do I love God? And Jesus fundamentally defined it, and he said, like, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And so, like, love expresses itself in obedience, but obedience, obedience itself isn't automatically love. Like, that wasn't necessarily, like, a kind of, like, a demanding relationship where it was, like, oh, like, you better prove your love to me by being obedient to me. And it was, like, a promise. Like, look, like, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And if you, if you focus on all of your being, on getting to this place of loving God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength and all of your mind, you're going to walk in obedience. You're going to bear the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to do all the stuff that the New Testament says to do. You're going to walk in sympathy and compassion. You're going to walk with patience. You're going to have humility. If you love God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind, you're going to bear all of this fruit. John Piper said, this is the only way to love the son, to be pleased with him, to feel pleasure in him, to esteem him and admire him and enjoy and treasure and stand in trembling, happy awe of him. So what, like, what does this have to do with the secret place? I think it would just be a huge disservice to even talk about any attempt to spend time with the Lord as if it's a means to an end. Like there's, that is, that is, you are not spending time with the Lord in the morning in order to deal with your habit. You're not spending time with the Lord in order to like try to get more peace and joy. Like you're not, like those are the fruit of being with him, but to treat being with him like a way to get something that you want is like, really gross because he is the ultimate pleasure. And, and it, he just is, he is like, I get so pumped because I love him. I love him. I want to be with him. I used to hate being in this town. I wanted to get out of this town for years and the Lord wouldn't let me leave. And there were all these things about being in this town that I didn't like. Some of it was just what the town is like. Some of it was some of the people here. Some of it was just 
I wanted to go do something that felt significant with my life. And the Lord kept saying like, no, like you gotta stay here, you gotta stay here. And one of the things he did in me was transferring like so much of my delight from this place of trying to find something out there that's gonna satisfy me to bringing me to this place of like, if I'm with you, I'm satisfied. I could be in this town for the rest of my life. I could be in this town for the rest of my life and I could be a no name. I'm not saying that's what I'm trying to be, but I can honestly tell myself like, I could be in this town for the rest of my life. Cause like he, he is delight, he is the treasure and you can find him anywhere. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't matter, just all this stuff. And I'm not saying none of that is like important. I'm not saying you should just like go sit in your room all the time and do nothing with your life. But like he is the ultimate, he's what we're made for. It was the, the Westminster Catechism. It's like this beefy doctrinal statement. The very first question is it in it, what is the chief and highest end of man? And the answer it gives, it's set up as like a bunch of questions and answers. What is the chief and highest end of man to glorify God and fully enjoy him forever? And they made a point of saying those two things because it's the one chief highest end of man is to glorify him and enjoy him. And those two things are synonymous. He is glorified as we delight in him. He's glorified as we love him, as we are pleased by him, as we enjoy him, as he becomes our treasure Jesus said this stuff like he's the bread of life. Come to me, eat of me, and you'll never hunger again. He's the living water. Come to me and drink of me, and you'll never thirst. Like this, this is God, and this is God. And I just, I feel so compelled to start there because like this, this is the, the heart, this is the very core of, for me, when I talk about the secret place, like this is it. It's, it's finding this place in my spirit where I am with him and I, I revel in that fellowship and I enjoy it and just, just boast in the fact that Jesus is my God and he knows my name and he cares about me. And uh, it, it just makes me happy. Like this is why I, this is why I scream when I worship because I just, I feel like I can't find I don't know, I just want to explode sometimes. I just really do, I just really do. And I, and I don't say this to like talk about me and stuff, but it's just like, I just feel like this is something the Lord has done in my life and I feel like a lot of it has come out of a really consistent discipline to spend time with him. Just like a very consistent, and there's plenty of times over the past year and a half, over the past eight years since I really like gave my life to the Lord and choose to follow him, that I have not done this well at all. But the more I do it, the more this becomes true where it's like, he makes me happy. He brings me joy because it's just who he is. And I was made to have fellowship with him that satisfies me and completes me. And like that, I just, yeah, we just don't spend time with him in order to try to get something else in order to try to make something else happen. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. The condition for even receiving the desires that you have from him is to just like let them go and delight yourself in him. And so I, I just, 
yeah, just really, really wanted to start there. Um, so last time in talking about the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, um, I just talked a lot about access, people's access to God. There was like this physical place that they went called the temple. And even there was a long period of Israel's history where they didn't even have the temple because it was destroyed because they just weren't faithful to the Lord. And so again, they just like lose this access. But there was the temple and God dwelled in the temple and they could come and offer a sacrifice to come into the temple. And it was this place like, this is the place that David is referring to. And he's like, you know, at, when David was alive, the temple wasn't built yet. But he's just like, man, like all the days of my life, I just want to like be in the presence of the Lord. Like, I just want to come into your temple. I just want to come into the tabernacle and just like be here because you are just my highest pleasure. I just want to gaze on your beauty. Like this is what makes heaven heaven is like he is there. And it's just, and that, that's, yeah, he's just there. And so now we, we have this, this new covenant. I ended last time talking about Jesus when he died. Right after the verse that says, and he gave up his last breath, he gave his spirit to God. It says, and the, t- the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And this is like a thick, heavy veil that's like 30 feet tall and four inches thick and is really heavy. And it separates the holy place from the most holy place where the actual manifest presence of God dwells. And Jesus dies and the veil tears. And for the first time, that room is exposed. But the presence of God leaves that room and comes to dwell in the midst of the church. That's just a really big deal. I just want to read a couple of these scriptures. Um, So these are, each one just has a little bit to do with like, just, the, just, just what we have in the new covenant. Jesus, when he was at the Last Supper, said, "This, like when he said, when he broke the bread and when he shared the cup, he said, like this is this is the blood of the new covenant." And there's there's a ton of history and stuff there where, like, in order to for a covenant to be sealed, like there has to be a shedding of blood, and yeah. But Hebrews two, uh, I think this is might be one through yeah one through four. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away, drift away from it. Since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we, we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. How shall we, like, he, he's just, there, we actually don't, we're not sure who the author of the Hebrews is, but there's like this comparison where he's making, where it's like, if they in the old covenant, like didn't escape when they neglected God's commands, like how much more us, if we neglect this salvation that he's giving us? Because this salvation that he's giving us is way better than what they had. It's way better. How much more are we gonna face the wrath of God if we neglect that? Like this, this, is, this is one of the comparisons that's made in scripture. First Peter 1. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. 
the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. The prophets themselves, they're, they're uttering this message hundreds, thousands, no, it's more like hundreds, but hundreds of years before Jesus even shows up on the scene. And they're like longing to see this day. Moses himself said like, I long for the day that the Holy Spirit would rest upon all of his people. And then 300 years after that, Joel prophesies, like there's gonna be a day when the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. Like there were people who longed for this to happen, who like, who they lived for this. They were like, we want this to happen so badly. It's just not yet. It's not yet. Like hundreds and hundreds of years. We think Joel prophesied around 9th century BC. About a thousand years before Jesus shows up. And he says, one day, God's gonna pour out his spirit on all flesh. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And at Pentecost, Peter says, this is that. This, this is that. This is what they were talking about a thousand years ago. We've hit that day right now. God's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. Jesus said this to his disciples. Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and they did not see it and to hear what you hear and they did not hear it. You guys are blessed because you get to see what's, what's unfolding right now. There's so many people, righteous people, holy people, prophets who longed to see what we have right here, right now in this room. What you have every day when you wake up. What you have every day when you go to sleep. People longed for it. People who hungered after God said like, I want to like see, I want to have fellowship. I want to hear. And it was this limited thing. And that's, that's what we have when we wake up every morning. This one's from Hebrews 10. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? We know him who said, vengeance is mine and I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And there's, there's a lot there, but again, I just, I just wanna point out the comparison that's being made here. Like in the old covenant, a lot of people were put to death because of the punishment of not walking in the way that God set up for them to walk in. And they're saying now, like we have this new thing that's way better. And like, if you reject this thing, like it's gonna be way worse. 
Like the, just these are the comparisons that are being made between like what people had before Jesus and what we have right now. If I told you that you had a bank account and that there was a billion dollars in it and then gave you no way to use it or no way to access it at all, that would probably be more of like a frustrating thing and a curse than a blessing. <laughs> like that just, that wouldn't be a cool experience. It's like, oh wow, there's this amazing thing that's right in front of me and I, I don't have access to it. And I think sometimes that's, that's how we subconsciously think about a lot of the new covenant because we have a lot of these promises in scripture that are just absolutely mind-blowing. And a lot of the time it's kind of like, how do I, how do I get there? Like how, how do I get to this place that's described in scripture? And it can, it can almost feel like, oh yeah, like, Ephesians 1 says, like, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That sounds amazing. And if I don't, if I don't know what a spiritual blessing is, and I don't know how to get it or receive it or walk in it or anything, it's just kind of like, wow, I'm so blessed. I just don't even really, like, know what, what it means or how to access it or receive it. And so then it just becomes this cheap thing. It's like, oh, yeah, I have, like, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Okay, like, <laughs> what, do you, what, do, what do you mean? And so I just, I just want to talk a little bit about just, just like the nature of our access to God. And I'm, I'm like hesitant to talk about this just because I don't understand a lot of it and because I think there is just like a lot of mystery embedded in it. And I think we tend to shy away from mystery because we just prefer things we understand. And so it's easy to kind of read things in scripture that don't, we don't have a clear concept for them. And we just kind of gloss over them because it's not like this super obvious, oh, this is exactly what this means. And so our, our culture, just like Western culture in general, is like a very materialistic culture. And I don't mean that like material possessions, I mean like philosophically materialist, where like what is most real is the physical world. Like that's the philosophy of materialism. Like there is nothing that exists that is invisible essentially, like oxygen and stuff, that kind of thing. But like what we can detect somehow, that is what is most real. And there, there is nothing else. And that's just kind of like the assumption a lot of people operate under, where it's like, oh, there is no, like, spiritual realm, like, and it, I, I think, at least I feel this way sometimes, so, like, when people start talking, especially in church, about, like, the spirit, like, oh, are you in the spirit, like, you're walking in the spirit, it's kind of like, what do you mean? Like, I, I have an idea, you know, I can think of a bunch of scriptures that talk about the spirit and the Holy Spirit and stuff, but I think we just have a culture that's so not super conscious or it's just not very embedded in the fabric a lot of, of a lot of daily life. Like you don't have to know much about the spirit to go to the bank and to like go to the grocery store. <laughs> it's just it's just not it's just not one of the main ideas in a lot of our culture. But like in scripture, this is all over the place. This is all 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 over the place. And I I don't have 
as much of these scriptures on the slides. But, like, the spiritual realm is where all of this stuff is at. Like, it's where we have every spiritual, like, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Not, like, every physical bank account blessing in the heavenly places. <laughs> like, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And there's so many times, I know for me, I can read through things in Scripture and see, see the word spirit, and I just don't really have a clear definition for that. And so it's just kind of like, oh, like, in the spirit. Ooh. <laughs> it's like some invisible thing that is, like, real, but, like, I don't really know what it looks like to engage in that realm or something. Like, even, even just the word, like, the spirit realm. Like, it sounds like, ooh, that's, like, all mystical or something. Like, you're getting weird and out there. Now. It's like, no, this is super, super, super biblical. And I just, I just have a lot of verses here. 1 Corinthians 6 talks about, Paul is specifically correcting the Corinthians about, like, sexual immorality in their church. And he says, like, don't you know in the flesh, if you have sexual relations with a prostitute, you become one flesh with her. In the same way, those who are joined to the Lord become one spirit with him. Like this spirit language. Jesus talks about this a lot. In John chapter three, he's talking to Nicodemus. And he says, like, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born of water and of the spirit. And Nicodemus is just like, what are you talking about? Am I supposed to like go find my mom and get back in the womb and be born? And she's just like, no, like you have to be born again. And he actually like, he's like, you're one of the teachers of Israel. Like you should get this. He's like, you have to be born of the spirit. That's what, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We use the phrase born again. And it's kind of, it's just kind of this like abstract concept. Like, oh, are you born again? And it's like in some invisible I don't know. Like, does, do you guys feel that way sometimes? Does that like anything having to do with the spirit is kind of like, I don't know where it is. It's out there somewhere, <laughs> like in some place, somewhere in some alternate reality, like I'm born again and I'm perfected, seated in heavenly places, but too bad this is the real world and that has very little to do with this right now. Like this is where all this is at. This is, it's just all over. It's all over. The very next chapter, Jesus is talking to the, the woman at the well. And at one point she says like, hey, like the Jews say that we're supposed to go to the temple and worship. Like what's, what's the deal with that? And Jesus is like, look, like there's coming an hour and the hour is now here that the father is looking for people who will not worship in, in a spot, but will worship in spirit and in truth. And he says, God himself is spirit and he's looking for people who worship in spirit. And it's just another one of those places, it's kind of like, Okay, <laughs> I'm going to worship in the Spirit. Okay, like what are we talking about? Romans chapter 8, this is, this is all over Romans, Galatians. Paul talks about the Spirit and the flesh. It says the mind that is set on the Spirit is life and peace. The mind that is set on the flesh is death. A little bit later down, he says, what's the verse? Um, We've not, been given, we, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but the spirit of adoption. And the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Not your mind, not your emotions, not your body, your spirit. Like the spirit, the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that we are children of God. 
Galatians 5 talks about the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of having fellowship with the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace. It says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Ephesians 1, I said a couple times, like, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In the garden, God told Adam and Adam, uh, I think Eve was there. Yeah. Um, Sorry if that's not right, but the day that you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, like you will surely die that very day. It was like a spiritual death that happened when he walked in disobedience. The mind that is set on the flesh is death. The mind set on the spirit is life and peace. And there's like this constant contrast that's drawn throughout a lot of the New Testament. Ephesians 2, Colossians 2 says you're dead, you were dead in your trespasses. You're alive, you have a body, you're living life, but you're dead in your trespasses. Is my mind dead? Is my emotion? No, my spirit is dead. Like this is a super fundamental biblical principle. And it's again, like it's it's kind of a mystery because it's like, okay, like I have a spirit. Can everyone say that? I have a spirit. Does that sound, does that feel weird to you? (laughs) It's just a really fundamental thing. And I, and again, you might be listening to this thinking like, like, what does this have to do with a secret place? What does this have to do with me waking up in the morning, like trying to find God or read the Bible or pray or something? And like, this is where all of that happens. I'm not saying like what you do with your body, like what you do with your body is part of that. What you do like with your mind is part of that. What you do is part of that. But like the most critical part of it is in the spirit. Like this is the place, this this is why the new covenant is such an amazing thing. And this is why it can kind of feel confusing because it's like, man, there was a time when God was in a temple and Jesus was walking around on the earth and it just seems like that's a much better deal. It's like, wouldn't, wouldn't this planet just be better if Jesus was just here sitting on a throne somewhere? Wouldn't we be better off? Wouldn't the church be much more put together if Jesus was just here? Jesus said, like, it's better for you that I go away because I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. He's gonna be with you. He actually said, I'm gonna send you another helper. Like I'm I'm the helper right now, but like when I leave, I'm gonna send you a spirit who is going to be your helper. And it's like, this is this is this is where we have access to God. It's not it's not about a physical place. The secret place isn't a physical location. Maybe there's certain places you can go that feel more peaceful and quiet, and you feel like you can kind of access God better in that place but it's not about a physical location. It's not. It's fellowship in your spirit with the Holy Spirit. And that's something that people for thousands of years did not have. God would pour out his spirit. He gave the spirit to Saul and then he took it away because Saul was a bozo. 
And we're just as much bozos a lot of the time, but this time God said, I'm not gonna take it away. He's just not gonna take it away. Jesus himself said that. He said, he's gonna be with you and he'll be in you forever. Forever. And it's easy to think like if Jesus was just here physically, I could just walk up to him and talk with him and have fellowship with him. But the fellowship that's like real fellowship with God is spiritual. It's in the spirit. And so it's easy for me, like if I want to spend time with John, if I want to get to know John, we're probably going to like go hang out with our bodies. Because <laughs> that's like, that's how this whole thing is set up. Like, this is good. I'm not trying to make it sound like all this stuff is bad. Like, oh, you're not supposed to pray with your mind. You're supposed to pray with your spirit. Well, you should do both because that's what Paul said. But we're so used to things like in the physical because that's just the most immediate, tangible, like everything physically is constantly like assaulting us. Everything we see is constantly stimulating our brains and telling us what's real. Everything we hear is constantly coming into us and making us hear and like perceive reality according to our senses. And that's the way God has set it up. That's a good thing. But the difference is in the garden, there was like spiritual fellowship. And then for a really long time in human history, that wasn't a thing. And then in the new covenant, we have that again. And it's a matter of like growing in it and learning how to walk in it. And that's why there's all these exhortations like walk in the spirit. Don't gratify the sinful desires of the flesh. Of John the Baptist, it said when he was, he went out into the wilderness and he became strong in spirit. And so there's this place of like cultivating and developing relationship with God. And it's not just like some hazy, invisible connection that's like, it can, just, it can just feel very not real. It can just feel very not real. But I, I'm, just, I'm just here to say like, it's so real. There's like this real spiritual difference between before Jesus and after Jesus. Like there's a real tangible, extremely important difference between the way people interacted with God, between the way that they would pray to him and try to follow him and the way that we get to do that right now. Part of the reason I said I was just like hesitant to even talk about this is like, I don't understand a lot of it. I don't, I don't quite know how it works. It's like, I don't know. Is it kind of like this invisible layer over the physical world? Like my spirit is kind of like in my body, but like, there's, there's, you know, do demons like take up space or something? Like, I don't know. I don't know how this stuff works. I don't know. Like, there's so much. And maybe part of that is just the fact that, our, like I said, like our culture doesn't really address this kind of stuff very much. Like maybe if we just had more knowledge of this kind of thing in general, it would make a lot more sense to us. But I, I just feel really compelled, like as I was really trying to just prepare for this morning and talk about like some of just what it means to like get in the secrets place and spend time with God. I just, it, it's, I just think it's so important to recognize the spiritual aspect of it because otherwise like you're in a room and your senses are gonna tell you there's nothing happening. You're gonna be in a room and you're not gonna hear an audible, maybe you'll hear an audible voice. Like maybe you will, 
Maybe Jesus will show up in the flesh and reveal himself to you. I'm not saying that can't happen. Like, I believe it does. But I'm just saying, like, that's, so far, like, that's not the norm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. God is spirit, fundamentally. John and I could communicate through smoke signals. But that would be kind of a weird way to communicate because the primary way that we communicate is with our voices. We talk. God can step out of the spirit and become physical and reveal himself in the physical, but fundamentally he's spirit. And fellowship with him is spiritual. He can meet us in the flesh. He can talk to us audibly. But like this, this is where this is all happening. This is all in the spiritual realm. This is what it's talking about when like, man, the armor of God. The one offensive weapon that we have is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Like that's, that's where all this stuff is happening. And I'm sorry if this sounds repetitive and like you're just not explaining what the heck the spirit is because it's like, I, I don't know how to explain it. I really don't. But I am, I'm so confident that if you get up in the morning or whenever you want to do it, and get by yourself and seek God, the Holy Spirit is the best teacher there has ever been or ever will be. He, does, he, he, can, he can teach you things in your heart and in your spirit that don't even like go through your mind. And that's part of the reason I feel like such a challenge in even talking about this is because like the fellowship that we learn to have with him is spiritual and breaking that down into like language in a way that's like digestible and involves like a three-point sermon on what it looks like to spend time with God is just kind of like, I don't know. I, like, I just, I struggle to do that just because it's like, I don't know how to describe the fellowship that I have with Jesus. I don't know how to describe what makes me so happy when I just get alone and put my attention on him. I can't break it down. I just can't. It's just this, it's just this internal awareness. It's just this, this, spiritual fellowship that's there that affects every part of my being, that changes my perspective, that influences my mind in the way that I think, that changes what, what I feel in my heart, that changes what I think about a situation, that changes how I feel towards someone. And I just, I really want to emphasize that because like I said before, like a lot of the time that we spend with the Lord is just like, there are often very, very little like tangible cues that God is like present in the room. And that's why it can almost seem like, I don't know, you could walk into a church and it's like, you can sit there and try to like engage in worship and like be present in what, you know, in worship and really trying to like commune with the Lord with the body. But if you step out of that and just look around the room, it's like just a bunch of people in a room singing. <laughs> like, what are, you, like, what are you talking about? Like, God is here. Jesus is in the room. Like, I don't see him. There's no, like, visual cue. I haven't heard anything audible from Jesus this morning. But, like, this, this, this is the place where all this gets to happen. This is the place where we get to have this fellowship with him that brings inexpressible joy filled with glory. I think that's what Peter called it. 
inexpressible joy filled with glory. And it's so important. Like, this, this is where faith is such a big deal. Like, we walk by faith and not by sight. Because, like, when we come to spend time with God, I just, I, I, I say this respectfully and with sympathy because I know what it feels like to feel like you're hitting some kind of wall, like you just have no access to God. But I'm just saying, like, it does not matter how you feel. It does not matter how you feel. It does not matter how you feel. You have access to God. Your spirit is able to have fellowship with God that many, 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 many people in history who really, 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 really wanted to have fellowship with him were not able to do because of the blood of Jesus. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Like, here's this language again. Like, let us draw near. Draw near to what? Where am I going? What am I drawing near to? He's not in a room, but there's this place where we can, we can be still and know that he is God and turn our attention to him, put our minds on him, turn our affection to him. And there's a real tangible spiritual fellowship that happens in that moment, whether you feel it or not. And I'm really convinced that if you're more and more consistent doing this, there will be times where it really feels very tangible to you. I don't think it's just like a linear trajectory, like, oh, the more you do it, the more you always feel this way. But I'm telling you, like, Paul said in Galatians 5, he said, like, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh. You're going to reap death. If you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap from the spirit. If you get in this place, if you go to this place, find a quiet place and seek God, turn as much of your being, like you don't have to know exactly how to do this. I just want to say that. Like you don't have to know exactly how to spend time with God. Like he can teach you. He can draw you near But I'm just telling you, like, just, just listen to the words of Jesus. Like, I am the bread of life. If you come to me and eat of me, you will never hunger again. The woman at the well was like, what are you talking about? You're the living water. Like, give me the water then. I don't want to have to come out here all the time and get the water from the well. And it's just like another one of these places where it's kind of like, he's talking about these spiritual things and people are just like way over their head. She's like, what are, you what are you talking about? Where's the water? Like, how do I get to the water? <laughs> like, I don't want to have to thirst again. And it's just so easy to, to just, like the disciples did this all the time. 
Jesus is like, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees and of Herod. And they're like, I think he's upset because we didn't bring bread. And he's like, he rebukes them. And he's like, why don't you get this? Why don't you understand that I, I'm not talking about the physical things at all? And this is, this is like what all the commandments in Scripture are about. It's not about like doing or not doing certain things just for the sake of those things themselves. It's because of the way that they affect your spirit. That's why the spirit and the flesh are at odds because the flesh is like drawing us into this like physical. That's why like the wisdom of the world is described as sensual because it's, it appeals to your like base physical senses. And again, I'm not saying like, you know, bacon is great. <laughs> it's just like physical things are good. They're just really good. But there's this constant invitation to like, become more aware of that which is invisible and is ultimately more real and more, like the physical world was created out of the spiritual. Like the spiritual is more fundamental. And it's the same for our beings. Like your spirit is more, a more fundamental part of you than your body. Paul talks about our bodies as if they're tents. He says, you're in a tent right now. One day you're gonna put it off and you're gonna get in a different tent. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, this is me. And it's like, yeah, because your spirit resides in your body. Like, this is what God breathed into Adam. This is the difference between us and the animals. God gave you a spirit. And it's like in that, it's through that, that we have fellowship with him. And this is why like personal holiness is such a big deal. I think it's Hebrews 10 says like, there's, like you have to strive for the holiness without which no one will see God. If you don't walk in this holiness, you're not gonna see God. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. It's not just like a, oh, like if you're pure in heart, like you're gonna go to heaven one day and then you'll get to see with your eyes. Heaven is what it is, not because it's the physical manifest presence of God, but because it's like there's a perfect alignment between spiritual fellowship and actual like physically being there with him. But we can, like, we can have fellowship with Jesus now. And it's not like, it's just not some imaginary, weird, out there thing. It's like really practical and really biblical. And it's hard to talk about because we just don't have a lot of language for it. And it's like, we can't sense things in the spirit quite like we sense things with our bodies. It's not that simple. Like, you don't have to teach a kid how to feel things around him. You don't have to teach him how to see or how to hear. But when it comes to the spirit, like we, we've been, we're dead and we have to be like raised up from the dead and then we have to learn and grow in it. And I'm just telling you like that learning and growth will happen as we seek him and as we put ourselves in a position before him and say like, Holy Spirit, teach me how to have fellowship with you. Like draw me near to you. And the thing about this is like, you can do it anywhere, anytime. You can have fellowship with God in the grocery store line. You can eat a bread of life that's gonna leave you never hungry again, even while you're fasting. That's the whole idea of fasting. It just totally takes you off the physical. It's like, I don't, like, 
Jesus himself, like his, he was, he's, this is actually right after the woman, I'm talking about that passage a lot, right after the woman at the well. The disciples come back and they bring him bread and he doesn't want it. And they're like, aren't you hungry? And he's like, no, like my food is to do the will of the Father. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is where it's at. This is where it's at. And it's not, I just, I just feel so like, I just want to emphasize that so much. It's just not this like weird physical out there, like weird invisible out there somewhere thing. It's just a matter of like getting in this place, in the secret place. Like for me, that's what a lot of this is. For me, this is what a lot of my time with the Lord looks like. And it can look like a million different ways. It can be complete silence or it can be just like screaming my face off. It can be like reading scriptures or it can be like writing a poem. Like in the physical, it can look like a ton of different things. But ultimately the attempt is to get to this place where I am more aware of this invisible spiritual connection that I have with God. Because it's a real thing, because we have real access to him and there's real transactions that can happen there. Like this is where these blessings come into play. This like... This is where peace and joy and love, this is where all of this stuff flows. And there's like, we're just not meant to become patient by just like mustering up patience. You get with him, you'll be patient. You will. You want peace? Like, it's not just a matter of like stealing your mind and getting all these things out. I'm not saying that doesn't matter. How we choose to think is really important. But ultimately, it's this place of abiding in him. Seven times in six verses, Jesus told his disciples, abide in me, 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 abide in me. And again, I think they're probably just thinking like, what are you talking about? This is like the last supper. This is the last day that Jesus is with them. And he's like, talking to them about the Father. He's like, you know the way to the Father. I think it's Philip is like, what? Like, we don't know what you're talking about. We really don't. And he's like, have you been with me so long and you still don't know? Like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm sorry if that doesn't seem super practical to you. And if I knew how to make it much more practical, I would. But like this, like this is the stuff that we have to learn. And if it seems confusing, just don't worry because there were a lot of people in the Bible that were pretty confused by it too. It's just very common for people to just like totally miss what Jesus is talking about. They think he's talking about bread. They think he's talking about water. They think he's talking about babies being born. I read, I read from 1 Corinthians last time. Um, and I, I'll wrap up shortly. Um, 
this is, I remember reading this passage and like, sometimes you just read a verse or you just read a passage of scripture and it like, it just, it just, it dawns on you. It's just like, oh my gosh, that's what that says. Holy cow. I just want to read this whole thing. Um, Read the Bible, guys. Please, read the Bible. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. People often talk about that verse as if it's like talking about like one day in heaven, like we just have no idea what's in store. And that's probably true. Like it just, we just can't even imagine what that's going to be like. But like right after that, like he doesn't say that to talk about all the stuff that we can't have. He says, he says, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the spirit. Like, your eye can't see it, your ear can't hear it. It's revealed to you through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches even the depths of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. He's just using the word Spirit a lot, if you didn't hear that. We've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. I said this last time, like the gospel, the story of Jesus coming to the planet and dying on a cross as an innocent man for our sins can make sense in your head. Like there's plenty of people who understand the details of the story who aren't saved. And it's not until you have this spiritual awakening where God revives your spirit. I think the most fundamental way to think about the spirit is like, it's the part of us that's able to interact with God. And it can be so hard to describe, like, it's just like, you know, you can talk to someone like, how do you hear from God? What's it like for you to hear from God? And I I don't know if I've ever heard someone give like a super great answer to that question. Because it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Certain thoughts go through my head and I think they're just dumb and then other ones go through my head and I just, there's something about it. There's just something about it that seems different. You can read a verse 50 times, but then the one time you read it and it like makes sense, that's, that's spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. You can worship Jesus day and night and night and day and it could be like, you know, sometimes you go into worship and it doesn't feel like some amazing thing. But the moments when you, when, when he becomes real to you and when you, when you make that connection and you understand and you see and, and, it, and, and it evokes something inside of you, whether you want to bow down or yell loud or it makes you happy or it gives you peace. Like that's the spirit. Like that's, that's where that's coming from. I just, this passage just struck me so much because Paul is just like, look, like we've been given a spirit, the spirit of God in order for us to understand the things that he has given to us. 
Every spiritual blessing, you want every spiritual blessing? Well, you already have it, FYI, but you need the Holy Spirit to help you understand what that even means. It says, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Like we really do have something that is extraordinarily magnificent and valuable. We really do have a treasure in these earthen vessels, in these jars of clay. Paul himself said, like, I would, I would never be competent to be a minister of the gospel if God himself had not made me competent. Because it's just like too great a thing. It's too magnificent a message for any man to even bear. But if we don't have the Holy Spirit like meet us and we don't make time to meet with him for him to like reveal truth to us and give us understanding and help us spiritually discern these spiritual truths, it's just over your head. Like the words of the gospel, you're gonna hear them a thousand times and it's not gonna change you. And it's like, it's just a matter of like digging into it. Like you can, you can do something about this. This is what time with the Lord this is like a big piece of it. It's like getting to this place where you're like digging into his word and like digging in in prayer and really like just coming to a place and just being like, God, I'm here to meet with you. I have access to you somehow through the blood of Jesus. I'm able to have fellowship with you somehow. Like this is the thing that we're made for. Heaven is heaven because we're with him. And you can be with him. You can have this kind of fellowship in a way that will just transform your whole life. That'll take your joy. That'll just make any joy on this planet seem paltry. And so I, I just encourage you guys, even this week, like, get, I, I really will close with this. Like, get, get a promise in front of you. When it comes to seeking the Lord, something that has like really impacted me a lot is just like bringing a promise to the Lord and being like, this is what you said and this is what I'm here to like get. And not in a way that's like, oh, selfish, like I'm trying to get something, but it's like, this, this, is, this is the promise that you made. And like, there's a bunch of them that I can think of. Hebrews 11 says, anyone who approaches God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Man, I say that to God all the time. I just get in a room and I'm just like, God, I don't even know what, what this reward is or what it'll look like. I just know if I, if I diligently seek you, not half-heartedly, guys, you're gonna reap what you sow. And if you sow half-hearted, you're gonna reap half-hearted. If you sow half-hearted into the spirit, if you sow half-hearted into spending time with the Lord, 
you're going to get a half-hearted thing. If you devote, like, diligently, diligently, getting yourself there, waking up in the morning, making time in the evening, whatever it is. And I get, like, I'm totally, again, like, this is totally to myself, too. Like, I'm sympathetic to the fact that this is, like, difficult. Like, we all have, we have these physical world responsibilities. Whether it's work or kids and family or stuff. But he promises, like, if you diligently seek me, like, you're going to find me. Ask and you're going to receive. Seek and you're going to find. Knock and the door is going to be open to you. In John 14, Jesus said, I will manifest myself to you. Man, get on that. Believe that. Take that to the Lord. I tell the Lord that all the time. Like, Jesus, you said you would manifest yourself to me. You know what manifest means? To make yourself plainly visible, plainly seen, to completely unveil so that it's open to see. And again, I don't think that's a physical thing. I think it's a spiritual thing. I think in your spirit, you can, he promises to reveal himself to you. He promises. And he really is living water that's gonna make you never thirst again. He really is the bread of life that's gonna make you never hunger again. Let's, let's pray. Dad, I, I thank you even now just for drawing us close. That you took the initiative to go way out of your way and pay a really high price to make our spirits alive with Christ. And I, I just am humbled by how much I don't understand a lot of that. But Lord, like we can't afford to not meet with you. We can't afford to not have fellowship with you. Our world is empty. Our lives are totally void and purposeless apart from you. And I, I ask that you would teach us how to have fellowship with you. What we're talking about what you're talking about when you say you're the bread of life, that you're the living water. Teach us the things of the Spirit. Help us just like be comfortable with that. Help us not like just get us past this place of just confusion. Give us courage, Lord. Would you reveal, I pray just for each person in this room, God, as we set ourselves apart to seek you and to find you, would you reveal yourself to us? Would you reveal even just like a promise to each one who would want it? Just the magnificence of the promise that you will reward those who diligently seek you, that you will manifest yourself to those who love you. God, let us, let us make this the one thing. Let us make this the greatest commandment, the greatest responsibility in our lives. I want to love you with all of my heart and all of my soul, all of my strength and all of my mind. I want to delight in you with every part of my being.
I want to be satisfied by you. So Lord, would you, would you give us courage to persist? That faith would rise up in our hearts and we would be able to deny every false impression that we get. Every time we seek to spend time with you and it just seems like we're in a dull room and nothing is happening, God, would you let faith rise in our hearts that we would be able to see the unseen and be aware and learn how to have fellowship with you? Teach us how to walk in the spirit, Jesus. Like we, we're so lost. We're so lost. Like we just have no clue about so much of what you talk about. And I just, I just admit that. Like I don't care how, if I can quote a verse or have a good apologetics for something. Like I want to know these things in the spirit. I want to know what you're talking about when you say that we are, we're joined to you and we become one spirit with you. Teach us about this fellowship. Teach us how to live in this place, to stop trying to just like make stuff happen in the flesh, but that we would learn to walk in your spirit and that our flesh would be put to death as a result. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for sticking around. I'd encourage you to introduce yourself to someone you don't know. It blows my mind how often just a lot of times people I don't know are just like, I don't know, I just, there's a lot of people in this room that I don't know. Just like, oh my gosh, all these new people are here. So yeah, I just really encourage you to meet some new people in the room. And yeah, just like go after the Lord this week, guys. Like I promise you, like, I mean, he promises you. <laughs> like, if you seek him, you're going to find him. And you don't even have to know what that means. You really don't. You don't have to know what that'll look like. You don't have to know th what the effects of it will be in your life. All you need to know is like, he's the one that you need. He's the one that you want. He's the one that is everything that you long for.